This is Weekly Woman by Jubilance for PMS. So hello, everyone. I'm Alice. I'm the social media manager for Jubilance. And today I'm talking to Rachel. Rachel is a New York City actress and feminist activist. And we're going to talk about growing up as a woman, being an actress entrepreneur, and her new play that she's working on. So welcome, Rachel. Thank you for joining us. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. Um, So we want to start off with some kind of like more fun questions to get us going. Okay. Champagne or beer? Oh, it really depends on the situation. Hi, actually champagne of beers, Miller High Life. I'm going to go there. (laughs) Oh, okay. (laughs) I get off work. Honestly, that's what I want. (laughs) Perfect. That sounds nice. (laughs) Okay. Chocolate or cheese? Oh, Alice. These are too hard. Jeez. I mean, I'd just say both. I always but... cheese. Cheese. <laughs> I'm a savory gal. Okay, great. <laughs> um, and what about tampon or a pad? Um, I actually was using the Diva Cup for a long time, and now I don't use anything because I have an IUD, and I don't really bleed. What? That's amazing. Yeah, I'm a huge fan of the Diva Cup. I was using OB tampons before that. Okay. What IUD do you have? I have the generic of the Mirena. And I got it for free at Planned Parenthood. Just saying. I've had it for a couple of years now. That's amazing. Yeah, I would love lovely. to never have a period ever again. That's yeah. great. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yay Diva Cups too. <laughs> amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, can you talk about where you're from and what made you move to New York City? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> where I'm from, is, is, as you might know, is a is slightly complicated answer. But <clears throat> I moved around a lot. I was born in Indianapolis, but I only lived there till I was like four. I'm not, uh, I wouldn't say I'm from there. Um, So I lived all over. And um, before New York, I was in Chicago, which I kind of say is home. And um, although I have no family there, Um, but, um, and then I got into grad school here in New York. I always knew I wanted to move to New York. I think I felt like I was, was, maybe it sounds kind of corny, but I always felt like I was a New Yorker before I was ever in New York. And turned out to be a good fit. That's wonderful. What's your favorite part about being a New Yorker? Oh, bodegas. <laughs> no, 24, my 24 hour bodega. Yeah. It's hard to put your finger on, right? Because there's so much, but I just think it's like, I really enjoy the pace of the city. I enjoy, and I enjoy being able to come back to where I live. I live on the border of Brooklyn, Queens now. And like, oh. it feels neighborhoody and like home, but also I can go into Manhattan. And and I, I just think there's a lot of opportunity to be had here. Yeah. That's wonderful. Um, and part of your background is I know you grew up in Brazil for your high school experience. Can you talk about some cultural differences that you see between the United States and Sao Paulo? Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Sao Sao Paulo. Yeah. I, um, yeah, I lived in Sao Paulo from 2000 to 2005. Um, my mom's job moved us there and, um, oh, it's the cultural differences are, are huge. Um, I think probably for me, the biggest one is the, the, um, there's this, I can't really, there's a term in Portuguese that's not really translatable, but it's called ojeto. So like your way, the person's way of being. And there's this sort of passionate, very open quality that Brazilians have that I feel like 
most Americans don't. And that's not negative nor positive, just that it's just the difference. And for example, like in other European countries too, like as soon as you see someone, like when I would get to high school in the morning, there would be like all my group of friends, right? We'd all be standing there. And before I could start class, I would have to go around to every single one and give two cheek, two cheek kisses. Wow. Yeah, I'm Every single person, like I'd have to go around. And so like little things like that, where people are very much, physical touch there is very different than here. And, but also being older and wiser and <laughs> woker, um, I, I'm kind of like, but sometimes that was problematic. Um, you know, like I think about like, oh wait, was that okay? But I think like people are very, the culture is more, is even more sexualized, I would say actually. Really? Wow. In here. How so? Um, I mean, like even in just like things like Carnival, um, like Mardi Gras essentially, like it's really normal to just like have naked women on the streets, you know? And I think women's bodies are, are still more, are overly sexualized there, but in a way that is integrated into the culture mm. that isn't here. Also, there's just like, there's, there were always like billboards for Playboy or like, like nudity and things like that weren't um, so, um, yeah, taboo in a way. Right. Yes, they were just. It was just. I hesitate to say normal, because I also think that there are there are problems with in 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 the culture in that way in Brazilian culture. But it's just more integrated. It's just more inherent, sort of. If that makes okay. sense. Okay. Yeah. People are so friendly. That's great. They're most friendly. Yeah. They're and they're amazing. They're amazing. I love. I love and miss Brazil. Wow. Every day. Um, and can you talk about your step-by-step process of how you've gotten to be where you are now in Brooklyn and actress and you were telling me before this about some projects that you've just been working on. Um, can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. Yeah. I saw that question before we started. And I was like, <laughs> awesome. oh. um, I'm not a very um, step-by-step person. So I'll start by saying that I'm very much like, not like I'm completely disorganized and all over the place, but I definitely um, could plan more than I do. Um, no, I, I, you know, I was, I studied theater in undergrad too, um, but it hasn't always been my whole life. Um, I feel like I, I think what's really important about being any kind of artist, but being an actor is um, doing, having as many other experiences as you can that aren't theater-based. Um, because I just think that makes you a better storyteller. Um, Completely agree. Yeah, and I think that that's really important too, as far as you know, empathy and and understanding other experiences. Um, and I uh, so, anyways, but but I I was then in Chicago as a working actor for some time, about five years before I moved to New York, and I just felt like there was a ceiling I was hitting there in a way. And I couldn't, I, 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 I didn't, I didn't think I was going to really be actually be able to make a living doing mm. things that weren't maybe not just acting, but like things connected to my artistic passions. Um, so I thought grad school was the answer. And I thought that that would be the best way to enter into New York too, as opposed to just moving here. Mm. Um, 
I now having done grad school here, I don't know that that was actually, that that is the right way to be honest. Um, because I have a ton of debt, but, um, I, I think, but that's the path I took. Um, and I got in and I saved up some money. I've worked in the restaurant industry for 14 years. Um, so I worked my butt off at a restaurant, saved up some money and moved myself out here and started grad school, been out of grad school for gosh, what is it? Two over two years. Yeah. Weird. <laughs> Super weird. Um, and you know, they, I keep reminding myself that this is the long game. Um, and yeah, I just knew I needed to get an agent. There's so many, I'm like, how do I, I can't concisely like, um, <laughs> uh, I got, I did get an agent and started going on TV auditions and Woo! I, yeah, I booked a pilot like six months out of my grad program and I was like, whoa, couldn't believe it. Like a recurring role on it too. Not just, and it was this huge production and it had a really amazing people attached to the project and it was for NBC Universal and everyone was like, and I got paid super well and I had like a trailer down the street from the restaurant I work at. I was like, what are my world? And I was just so, I was like, this is amazing. And it went so well, you know, what a paycheck. And then um, it didn't get picked up and right, which happens all the time, but it, it, it really, that was feeling that was a, uh, I've become pretty used to rejection. You kind of have to be in this. Like you just, you do 20 auditions and hope that you book one, maybe, maybe not. Um, and that, it becomes really hard to know. It, that can really mess with your brain of like, is it me? Is it this industry? Like, why am I not? Um, so anyways, it didn't happen. I can't get my footage. I still haven't been able to see, even see any of my pilot footage. Wow. So I can't even get that for a reel, which for an actor is That's really- so crazy. Yeah. I thought they would at least give you it for your reel. Nope. Once like, it, because the pilot never aired, NBC doesn't have to. Oh. Anything. Yeah. I they own out. the rights. Everything. Yeah. I couldn't, I couldn't get it. Um, oh. So that was a huge bummer. And I didn't book any TV work, like any SAG after a union work until like two weeks ago yeah it was a year and a half ago and i booked a co-star a small co-star role on a, a new show that'll be out um in next year they're shooting the season right now called lincoln um and so i shot that last week which was exciting but it just goes to show like how hard it, it is no small feat just to book one line on a tv show um and in the meantime i have to really keep all of my other like passionate artistic endeavors going so can you talk about that? So what are you working on right now? You have a, um, you have yeah, a, I have a, a show that you're working on. Yeah, I have a solo show. It's called Woke Pussy. Um, and it's, I've never done this before. I never considered myself a writer or anything, but I have journaled my whole life. And um, I got out of a three and a half year relationship uh, a little over two years ago. And was found myself in my early 30s uh, in New York using dating apps for the first time and dating. And, um, and I found, I, I, I really, um, I really enjoy meeting new people. And I'll say like, I'm also like, I'm a very sexual person and I'm very connected to myself in that way. And I'm, I'm enjoyed just sex and things like that as well. And so I was sort of just like looking out there for, experiences right not necessarily like finding a relationship at the time um but i started rubbing up against like navigating my feminism 
mm. and how I feel about and like though the tenets of like feminism, which you know they're personal, but um, and and dating and men and I'm 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 straight, but I think that there is I. I don't identify as queer. I tend to say like hetero flexible because I am attracted to women, but I, I was mostly dating men. Right. Um, and I, um, I was just, it was just, I was becoming, I was like having a lot of inner conflict and contradiction about my feminism and like self-respect and sense of self, um, while dating. Um, so I started keeping a log and I kept a log of every single person I went on a date with. And it just began as me journaling. Wow. Um, really, it was just like me journaling, trying to process my experiences. And then it became, I realized I was like logging each one, like name, age, <laughs> what the date was, like what they did. <laughs> and I went back to this and then I started, I started this silly, I started this silly thing on Instagram called toilet time time and it literally just came out of like a random moment where I said toilet time time and I started filming myself while I was actually peeing on the toilet you can just see my face don't worry <laughs> and um and I started talking about dating and people started people were into it and they started kind of I started getting a lot of responses I was like this is really funny so I kept doing it and I kind of integrated that I at one night I just sat down and I was like what if I just made this into a show cool um, and I wrote, I, 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 I drafted a, a quick script and a, honestly half-assed script and randomly submitted it to a couple places, forgot about that. And like a couple months later, got an exception, an accept, an acceptance letter from United Solo Fest for this. And I was, but honestly, I panicked. I went, oh, <laughs> I actually have to do this. That's awesome. So that's sort of what, Yeah. And I'm still cool. in the process of making it. It's November 6th. Yeah. That's amazing. So it's kind of chronicling your time dating in New York. Yes. Cool. And it's, it's that. And, and it's like, um, I want to say it, navigating and sort of balancing my, fem, my feminism, the dissatisfaction also with the system and really, I think dissatisfaction is is a is a tame term to use about how I feel about uh, what's wrong. Um, but and then also coming to like a s self acceptance mm. um, is sort of the journey of this character. She's not quite me. She's me, but like she's not totally me. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Wow. Oh, I can't wait for it. So I will be there. I just have to like get my ticket still. Yeah, I've been bad about promoting it, so I also yeah. send it to me. <laughs> um, can you talk about what is the most rewarding part of being an actress? Yeah, that's tough too. Um, I love performing live. Um, I. I do deal, I deal with like a lot. I feel like I'm a very high energy person, you know, and I um, can kind of go, go, go and not realize that I'm burnt out. Um, and performing live, which unfortunately isn't something you get to do all that often mm -hmm. as a working actor, I'm finding for me, my path, right? In mm -hmm. New York. Um, I feel like most myself, 
um, when I get to perform live. And I just, I think there's something really special about that feeling and that connection of like being live in front of an audience and staring at them and having them stare back at you and sort of seeing each other. And that is what also excites me most about performing is my relationship with the people who are there to see the work. Mm. Um, the feeling that I get from that is probably the most rewarding and it doesn't come often. Yeah. That's amazing, Rachel. Um, you kind of talked about this a little bit in that answer, but how do you, um, how do you kind of conquer those feelings of like being a freelancer and like overwhelm and not having work at like different points. And like, that's just being an actress in the city. Right. And I mean, it looks a little different for everybody, but I think what's really helpful for me to remind myself of is the overwhelm and um, the blues, the kind of blues you can get from after a gig, but not having anything else planned is sort of in between time. Yeah. Is a unique experience to our profession as artists. Mm-hmm. You know, that that's the one thing I have to remind myself is that when I get down and I'm and I get anxiety about it because of course I'm human. Um I do. I um I have to remind myself that like this is not a unique experience for for the for artists, right? Like it's something and freelancers in general. So I have a few things. Therapy. I go, I have it today and I'm really looking forward to it. I go to therapy once a week and I'm happy to share my therapy resource too, because it's a great um, place that as a rolling um, or a sliding scale and it's just a really good community of therapists. Um, but I do therapy that for me is essential. So whatever that looks like for people, I think it's really important for artists um, for everybody, but I think specifically for artists, um, my schedule is all over the place. So I'm, coming off of a seven stint show. Uh, I, I worked seven straight shifts uh, at my restaurant. Wow. Last night. That is not normal. I normally do three to four days a week, depending on, sometimes I have more income from other acting gigs than and when I don't, I pick up shifts. But pe- everybody was sick at my work this week. I kept getting called. I was like, yeah, seven day, seven shifts straight. Wow. For, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, over five days. I did seven shifts. Wow. Yeah. And um, yeah, that's really hard for, you know, and, and then today I have therapy. I have rehearsal for my solo show. Um, and tomorrow is like kind of a day off. And I think it's really hard when you're a freelancer and you in our gig economy to actually give yourself a day off. Yeah. Definitely. I'm always supposed to be looking for more work because I don't have consistent work in my field. Um, I'm a dialect coach. Uh, I just got to coach actually the character, James Spader's character on Blacklist has to speak Portuguese. I speak Portuguese. Um, and through some connections I made through grad school, uh, I was brought on set a couple of weeks ago and I got to be his personal Portuguese coach um, and dialect coach, which was an, also an incredible way to be on set. Um, to get to be behind the scenes in that way. And again, like a great paycheck, but that came out of nowhere. I found out a week before it was going to happen and then it happens, you know? So anyways, therapy is huge. Um, finding a little bit of routine in your day. I try to run most mornings, mm-hmm. but when it's like rain and gray, like today, I don't. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't. Um, gratitude practice. I've just recently 
it sounds a little corny, but the book I've been using, you know, like it's um, something I've, I finally was like, you know, I think I need something in the morning to like ground myself right when I wake up. So I don't immediately go to Instagram. Be like, who's watch my stories? Cause I yeah. definitely do that. It's, a, it's an addiction. Um, so yeah. So a gratitude practice for me is really huge mm. uh, start, that I've started just in the last month. Um, and having really good people that you trust around you. And as I've gotten older, that's been easier to do. That's great. Yeah. As I've got into my thirties, I feel like my needs and my wants really started to crystallize and boundary what, what important boundaries were for me, which is really difficult for me sometimes to define has started to crystallize and that it became clear. Oh, okay. Certain people, maybe I don't really need in my life or at least not so often or not in this certain, not in this capacity, you know? Um, but also that all came through a lot of therapy. Yeah. Makes so, a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, thanks for talking about that. Yeah. Um, can you tell me about like your fall traditions in New York City? Oh yeah. Oh, oh man, I love fall. Um fall traditions. Well, upstate New York is not far away and it's amazing. And I try to get at least one trip in during the fall up there. Oh, um, yeah, and actually a friend of mine and I um, Saturday night, um, we, there's more like Saturday afternoon went to Williamsburg where there's like a big beer hall and we kind of, we did like a little Oktoberfest, uh, That's so fun. Oktoberfest beers and brats and, and things like that. That was sort of a, something that we wanted to do for the fall. Um, so I had a, I just like walk around the block, I just like take a, I just like walk around and breathe in the cooler air and try to enjoy it that way. But those are, those are some things I like. Or like apple cider and definitely watching Hocus Pocus. Oh, and so good. I know, I know. I just watched Halloween Town this weekend. Oh, I don't even watch that in forever. I love it. It's so good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, getting into like our subject on like feminism and gender, um, what do you think it means to be a woman today? And I know that's like an ever shifting definition. It can be different in like 30 seconds or tomorrow, but what do you think yeah. it means for you? Yeah. Right I'm a, you know, start by saying like, I am a cisgendered white woman. Um, I identify, um, the gender I identify as now as a woman was the gender I was born with and assigned at birth. Um, and I do think <laughs> it's weird. This is where sort of like so many contradictions come in for me because I do think so much of it has been taught to me what I'm supposed, how my, how I'm supposed to be as the gender I am as a woman. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, I've been socialized um, in our system. been taught. Um, I don't think it's a completely inherent. Sorry, Rachel, you just cut out. I'm sorry. Oh, now I can hear you. Sorry, you, you were saying you've been socialized. Yeah, I've been socialized. Like so many, you know, we've been socialized. So we've been taught these ways. I don't think it's necessarily inherent. Like, yes, I have ovaries that sometimes I feel like I'm not, I don't like love every child I see. But for some reason lately, I, I'm like, oh my God, baby. 
Um, but you know, if we're getting into anatomy, um, does that mean I want a kid? Not necessarily, but, um, I think like, like shaving my legs and my armpits. I do that. I, I shave, I keep myself like shaven, right? my in my pubic region and my legs and my armpits and I think that that's like sometimes I feel I don't feel I'm like why do I do that that is something that's been sort of taught to me that that's what's beautiful that's a standard of beauty and that's what's different than me and a man and and yet I still do it and I know that and I'm aware of that and i it doesn't make me not a feminist, right? It doesn't make me not care about women's issues and trans women's issues and um, gender issues as a whole. But I think, I think it's, a, it's, it's, I think it's still a standard of beauty that I'm adhering to that is a male standard of beauty. And so that's sort of, I think what it, I think being a woman today is, is how it was before too. It's really hard. I think we're still second class citizens. Mm. Um, I think, you know, I think how everybody navigates that is, is how they is like, is so personal. But for me, I, I'm, I'm, I'm at conflict a lot. Um, I'm a pretty dominant person in my, you know, daily like social life. And I, um, but also then when I'm with a partner, I, a romantic partner, I, I kind of want to be led sometimes. And what does that mean? You know, and, and does that mean I'm adhering again? To, I, I think, I think it means constantly questioning, mm. like constantly questioning, like what's this dynamic, which can drive you nuts sometimes. And sometimes it's like, fuck it, just enjoy it. You know, sorry, can I say that? Yeah, sure. <laughs> just enjoy it. Um, so I, I think that that for me is what it is. And I also have a lot of privilege being a white woman. And I feel like I, sh I personally need to use that privilege um, on behalf of women who, who it's not palatable um, for them to speak up, you know, women of color, queer women of color, trans queer women, trans women of color, you know, it's, I think it's a lot. It's a, it's a heavy, heavy burden. Um, to me, a woman. Yeah, it always has been. Yes, exactly. I, I don't think, and of course, I'm not being pessimistic and saying like nothing's changed, but I don't think that's changed. Hmm. You know, I think, yeah. What do you mean by being second class citizens? Like, what do you think are the problems that we face today as women? Well, equal pay is still not a thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, and, and um, I think, um, I think that there are little, um, again, like little social things that are just socialized in us about that, that, like, I'm taken, I'm immediately taken less seriously. Mm. I mean, these are just like so things that are socialized that it's going to take so much work for everyone to undo. Um, I think it's the same with, with racism, you know, like these things that we've been taught and socialized to believe, and they're so ingrained that it's like, we need to catch ourselves on them. So I think, I think like, I guess my second class, I mean, reproductive rights, healthcare, you know, I've, that like my healthcare is more expensive because I'm a woman. 
Um, the pink tax. Yes, the pink tax. I think we need to take advantage of our institutions like Planned Parenthood. Like, however you might feel about about things, I I just think those those institutions are here for the people. Like, when I go into Planned Parenthood and I see the swath of women that are the different, all different backgrounds that are in there, you know, that looks very different than other doctor's offices that you can go to. And I think like the fact that I got my IUD for free there means that like I can date and have sex the way that I want. Of course, you know, I still like use protection and other ways and stuff, but like, I don't have to worry about getting pregnant or, and then having to make the decision to have an abortion or to have the child and then change my entire life. I don't know. I think, yeah. What are, what do you think are some concrete ways that we can go about? Um, I mean, I, I think what you're saying too, is that it's just like kind of a constant battle, both with society, but also in our own heads of yeah. where we are as women and at the moment or with our partners or what have you. But are there things that you do in your life? Um, I mean, you have a performance all about this. That's what we should be watching, but. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I do think, like I said, like I think um, supporting Planned Parenthood, whatever that looks like for you, like if that means just going to them or if that means um, donating a little bit of money, if you can, you know, I, I also understand how money can be very tight. Um, I also, I donate a little bit. I'm a member of the ACLU. Um, and I think really there's so many causes out there right now and you just have to kind of choose one, I think, or two, because you know, I don't have money to just be donating to every cause that comes, that needs it. Um, so I think pick a couple that are really important to you and decide how you want to support them. Um, of course, protesting is great, but I also think I think, um, I, I, I think there's, I'm trying to think of smaller, in smaller ways, smaller like daily ways that we can. I think even just talking about it. Yes, yes, totally. Is for so long we've been silenced or mm -hmm. uh, our voices haven't been heard. And I think by just even having this conversation, I think it's a way to think about things a little differently, at least. Totally. I think also reading about different experiences than your own. Like I recently read um, Janet Mox, uh, who produces and helps direct Pose um, on FX, the show Pose. Um, uh, she is a trans woman of color. Um, I think just prefers to it by woman of color, but um, her book, Redefining Realness, is incredible and it's um talks about her gender reconstruct reassignment surgery and um you know how she paid for it and all that anyways it's, it's a fantastic book and this she's a woman living in our world today and um her experience is very different than my own and i think it's really important um and i don't claim certainly wouldn't claim to like be an expert on that experience having read that book and that's also just her experience and she does a really good job in her book of saying like this isn't the definitive trans person you know woman of color experience this is mine um 
and it's not a monolith, right? Like, like white culture, white patriarchal culture presents most of these things in, in plays, in theater, in movies, like that experience of the others is just like a monolith. Right. And, um, she, yeah. Anyways, reading books, like, I think just like challenging yourself in that way, like pick up a book like that and read it and understand it and an experience outside of your own. I think that's a great idea, Rachel. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so if you, if a woman walked up to you and you had like 30 seconds to give them your best piece of advice, I mean, we've already gotten a lot from you. Um, what would you say to them? And it could be about anything. I'd say, um, say go get yourself a pedicure today. <laughs> that sounds great. <laughs> Um, I, yeah, maybe that, or maybe just like, I don't know, pat yourself on the back. Um, also, it depends on who it is, really, like the context of who's asking me, you know? That's true. Um, right? Again, as I've said, like, as a white cis woman, like, my experience is so different. So I think that answer would depend on who was asking me. Yeah. That makes sense. <laughs> um, Rachel, what is next for you and where can we find like um, your next shows and all of your information? Yeah. Um, so my website is www.rachelgriesinger.com. R-A-C-H-E-L-G-R-I-E singer. Um, I needs a little update. Um, but mostly if you really want to like see what I'm doing is my Instagram at photos by Rach, photo with an F. F-O-T-O-S-B-Y-R-A-C-H, um, and see my toilet times there. Um, and more info about my show, Woke Pussy, is in a month. Um, hopefully you'll see me on an episode of something soon. Um, and I'm auditioning. And, oh, I play, uh, I tour a show as Anne Frank as well. It's another one of my jobs. Um, so I'll be around doing that. Um, yeah, maybe you'll see me walking around. <laughs> I know a lot of listeners don't. Sorry. Yeah. Um, is there anything else you'd like to add for our listeners? <sighs> um, I'm proud of myself. I'm 32 and I just finally downloaded a budgeting app. So <laughs> the anxiety about money, which uh, I think is a pretty, um, is pretty normal for our generation um yeah i think uh be be tender and kind to yourself when it comes to things like that because we're dealing with a lot but also hold yourself accountable how can you help <laughs> thank you so much rachel thank you for being on yeah thank you so much for having me it was a pleasure and i got to see your face i never I know. Get to see it. it was great <laughs> amazing <laughs>